you know, they don't spend the time to do the research and see what the cost is and what the return on that. I've sat through so many conferences where people won't even spend the time or money to save 1% on a project. It's crazy. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, you know, you can install this app uh, or have all of your employees on this project install this app on their phone and save 1% of the cost by doing this or that. And for some reason, the adaption's just not there. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Brian Burke, owner of Plans for Less. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, Todd. How are you today? Thanks for having me. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for coming. Well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into construction? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, I was working a summer job at a uh, wastewater treatment engineering uh, office. My neighbor was a wastewater treatment engineer, and he asked me what I was doing for the summer. And he said, uh, why don't you come down to the engineering office, and we're going to teach you everything you need to know about wastewater treatment plant engineering. <laughs> and uh, nice. so I spent, the, I, I spent the summer with him. And uh, at the end of the day, I really didn't have interest in learning how to design wastewater treatment plant systems. Uh, so while I was there as a summer intern, he had me running his blueprint machine and printing all of his O&M manuals for all the installations that we did for his, uh, his control panels and flow meters that we went and installed at all the waste rod treatment plants uh, that we had contracted. And um, so I didn't know anything about blueprinting when I started with him and, and uh-huh. working with him and his team um, after the summer, you know, he said, do you have any interest? And I said, yeah, I do. You know, I liked being in the mix of, you know, printing drawings for all different projects and, uh, and the projects that we were working on for the, uh, for the engineering firm. And uh, after three months, he said, let's put a sign on the door and open to the public. And he said, I'll give you the controls to run it. And I'll teach you everything there is to know about running a small business. Oh, wow. And he said, you know, I'll see how you do. You know, at age 17, you don't know what that opportunity really is and how it presented itself. Looking back at it, um, it was really an interesting experience to uh, all of a sudden be in charge of this small business. And he said, you have the controls to hire, you have the controls to add equipment, you have the controls to meet with our accountant, you have the controls to do the advertising and do the sales. Wow. And we would meet. Yeah. And... I give him such a, I give him a lot of credit for doing that. I don't know if he thought I was just going to fall on my face and fail, but uh, he, he certainly gave me the opportunity and the tools uh, to learn how to run a business at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, it got me out of my, out of my box, right? I was kind of this shy and naive guy and, and would never pick up the phone or go visit a client, you know, back then. And I ended up working for him for eight years. And when I left, we had eight full-time employees. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Why do you think he uh, took the time to mentor you? Well, he loved business. Uh And we were the only, there was a need in our town for a a blueprinter. The the closest one uh, to our location was 30 or 40 minutes away. And he, he saw that there was a need there. Of course, it satisfied his company's need to have you know, the blueprinting right in the house and do that. So we thought, well, mm-hmm. hey, let's see what we can do. Maybe we keep, maybe there is something here 
and we can have a business. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was really some insight on his part to notice that there was a need in the, in the, in the office or in that particular city for this service. And he saw that I had interest in it and I took interest in it. And I, th I think, again, he started this just thinking, well, this isn't going to last long, but if it doesn't last long, you know, at least we gave it a try, mm -hmm. you know, and year after year, when we'd sit down uh, to do their year in review, you know, we were growing at a great rate. And we, again, we kept hiring and hiring and expanding our, expanding our business until we had eight full-time employees. And we were certainly a force within our area in terms of a very competitive, fully operating repro graphics firm. But then I turned 25. Yeah. You know, when you turn 25, you know everything about the world. And uh, I decided to leave and go join one of our competitors. And gotcha. uh, yeah, and you know, I remember the meeting with him. He was like, I wish you well. I hope you do okay. You did great here. I wish you well. And uh, that business that I left survived and he ended up selling it to another competitor. And, and it was still an operation to about four or five years ago. So that business continued even after I left, which was, which was great to see. And, um, you know, I since had moved on and uh, gone to another place, which I thought was at 25, the best decision I could have made. And, uh, and after a few years, I decided to open up my own place. Yeah. Well, looking back on that experience, what do you think it, it taught you about running a business? Oh, it taught me so much, Todd, you know, there's, there's what you can learn in class and then there's what you can learn, you know, through experience. Yeah. You know, you can sit through business classes, which I have, and you, you do learn a lot in a business class, but uh, real life experience and really being out there and understanding every single aspect of running a company, um, you know, there's a lot of parts about it that you just, you don't enjoy as much as the other parts, but every single part is very important to make sure it's successful, you know? Sure. So I was lucky to have that experience at that young of age. And uh, even though I went and worked for another company where I wasn't the owner, at least I had that experience and that confidence to kind of understand what, what I can bring to the table for that employer and knowing all aspects of the business. And, yeah. uh, and they gave me the confidence years later when I, I realized I wanted to do something else, Todd. I wanted to change kind of how the reprographic business works. Um, we were kind of pigeonholed into the same old thoughts from 20 or 30 years ago where you do pricing structure based on a quantity discount. You know, it depended on how many drawings were in the set and how many sets of plans you were ordering. Mm -hmm. And every one of our competitors had this sliding scale uh, metric of what you should pay per square foot for those drawings. And we would compete against each other um, not with service and not with quality, but more so price. Mm. And that was one of the things I didn't really like. I didn't want to be just competing on price alone. I really wanted to be competing on service and quality. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. we're in a dead, we're in a deadline based business. And what is more important uh, in a deadline based business is getting your drawings on time. Sure. So how did plans for less really come about then? Well, I had then started my own company. And we were up and operating for many years and we had a, a significant number of employees and 2008 hit and the economy went to the tank. 
And <clears throat> we realized that we had to do something else. So we were going to lose all of our investment and all of our equipment. We would lose all of our employees and we wouldn't have any, any business left. And we were watching what was going on in the market here in Connecticut. And what was happening is business was moving outside of our state and going into Boston and going into New York and contractors from Connecticut were moving with where the business was. Mm-hmm. So plans for less is an idea based on the FTD model. You know, my mom, when she was alive, she was a florist. And I realized one day that she gets business through her flower shop, you know, through a wire service and and FTD was started back in the early 1900s. And if you wanted to send your, your, your aunt and your grandmother flowers across the country, you would just call your local florist and they would wire that order across the United States and fulfill that order and deliver plant, you know, deliver flowers to your, you know, your aunt or your grandma. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, why can't we do that with the blueprinting business? Why can't we be the repro graphics, the FTD, the repro graphics business? Mm-hmm. And that's really how the model started. And it, it really came to, came to our thought process when we watched what 1-800-Flowers did. Yeah. You know, and we said, okay, we're going to do a couple of things with this. We are going to spend some time building relationships with print partners across the United States, right? We need to, we need to build the infrastructure first. We need to make sure that printers that were our competitors would be willing to work with the plans for less system. And we had to pitch this to them without any business. We had to pitch this to them with this idea if we do have business to send you, would you print for us? Would you in, in be our printer for our customers that are located in different parts of the country? Yeah. In the country. So we did. We met with a bunch of them. And a bunch of them were kind of looking at us like, well, we're, we're on board, but we're not really sure how this is all going to work. And we assured them that we were going to be working for them on their behalf. Like we were going to be the business development arm for their business. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, how is that? And I said, well, we're going to create a system. And the system is going to be where contractors, architects, and engineers can log on to the plans for less website, upload their PDF files. And when they send us an order, depending on where they are located with the United States, depends if we send the, the files to your office for printing. Mm-hmm. And what we did, Todd, is we took out an advertisement in the um, in the blue book back then in every single state. We took out a line item, uh, a line uh, ad in every single blue book in the 50 states with our company name on it and with yeah. our 1-800 number. Wow. Saying that you can get reprographic services yeah. at Plans for Less at a fixed rate. And when we started it, we were charging a dollar per plan for any full-size sheet. And a full-size sheet means 36 by 48, 30 by 42, and 24 by 36. So that's how Plans for Less started. Now, the next step was, was really to find where the clients were and to, and to get in front of those clients. And one of the, our thought processes was well, what are our clients using every day to manage their construction projects? Mm-hmm. They're using software. And our next step, Todd, was to get in front of these 
software companies, the technology companies that were building the software that contractors are using to bid their projects, mm -hmm. send out bids for the projects, and then also the software that they're using to build their projects. Right. And along this road, we, we decided to make some phone calls and start calling those companies and trying to talk to them about our, our what we would call our solution um, and see if they were willing to team up with us. And we were lucky enough, Todd, to have one company recognize that we had built a business model based on fixed rate pricing and a distribution model. Mm -hmm. And we were the first company to come out with a fixed rate pricing model. There was no longer a metric based on how many drawings you had per set and how many sets you were ordering at one time. If you wanted 200 drawings, it was $200. If you wanted 18 drawings, it was $18. And it was plus the shipping to your office for next day or second day. Mm -hmm. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit ASTI.com and let them know we sent you. Going, I think you brought up an interesting point when you were talking about uh, you know getting people bought in and trying to get your competitors to work with you. How did you go about really convincing them of this kind of shift in perspective uh, and to embrace something that was more uh, of an innovative mindset change? It really took some time, Todd, and we really sat, when we sat down with our potential print partners, we told them we were having the same pain points as they were having. They felt like we've been just, we've been pushed to the bottom. We were a commodity in this construction business. Mm -hmm. And I said to my print partners, I said, look, we have an idea here of, we're going to do something completely different than what you're doing and what we were doing in our own repro graphics firm, which was the was that metric of everything was based on the client discount. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, they would look at me and say, well, okay, we'll do it and we'll see how much work you have and we'll see how this goes and we'll review it with you, you know, after a few months. Mm -hmm. And it took a long time, but once our first software company uh, that, that provides software for general contractors to do bidding saw what we were doing they put us into their software and they introduced us to their general contractors as a value added service where they would say to their clients, if you're using SmartBid to bid your projects, we have integrations within our software that will help you and help your subcontractors. And it just so happens to be the drawings. Mm -hmm. And it so happens that there are still thousands of GCs that use drawings every single day. And there are tens of thousands of subcontractors that use drawings every single day to bid on their projects. Mm -hmm. So they, they saw that we were bringing a value added service to their software and they put us in. And that was the first stepping stone for us. Um, now we're up to five integrations. That was our first integration. We're up to, up to five now and we're working on a couple others. Wow. But what happened there, Todd, was 
if a general contractor is using their software to bid out a project, they trusted that software company, right? They have very sensitive information. They have their bid list in there. They have all of their subs and vendors. So when they would see plans for less in their software, it automatically meant that they trusted us as a partner sure. to, do, to do the printing on their project. So in turn, we would go back to our print partners and say, we are now integrated with this software company and we're working on other integrations. And our print partners would see that we were doing social media. They would see that we were going to the trade shows. They would see that we were doing press releases and they weren't, they weren't out there doing it and they weren't out there thinking about doing it at the time. So they watched us do it. And in turn, we were able to send orders to those print partners and have those orders fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a cool combination of combining you know, paper and the, the digital workflows together with having those, those integrations. It's a, it's a cool mashup. It is, and it allows the user, when they're inside the software, not to have to log out and then log yeah. back in to their email or log back into an FTP site or log into our website to order drawings. It's a frictionless system where they stay inside that platform, select the drawings that they want, select whether they want a full size or half size, whether they want color and black and white and press send. And we get a link to those drawings. So they're not downloading and re-uploading. Really, they're just pressing order and we get the link to those plans that they've selected for their order. Yeah, interesting. So, you know, on, on the surface, it, it appears to almost be kind of bucking the, the digital transformation trend that we've seen in construction, especially over the last year. Why do you think, uh, you know, why do you think that, that, uh, that that's happening right now? No, it's, yeah, Todd, it's, it's a great question. And, and this digital transformation has been happening for a long time. I mean, sure. we've been told a few times that we, our, our life expectancy was only a couple of years. And I would say that first happened when the first FTP sites came out. Uh-huh right? When you remember just how generic those were and how people would just upload all these files into one file folder and tell you to go look for the folder that said plans. And, uh, yeah, good luck. you know, <laughs> everybody had the same, you know, login, uh, username and, and password. So that meant thousands of people had access to your files. And, you know, we were, we were told back then you're, you're not going to be needed anymore. And, and this digital transformation has changed. Are we printing as many drawings for each person? or each company that we used to? No, definitely not. Have the drawing sets sizes increased a lot? Yeah, they have. Uh, the documentation now with all of the details, you know, a drawing set that was 200 drawings five years ago is now 400 drawings. And the specifications that were one or two volumes are now five or six volumes of specifications. Mm -hmm. And um, so yes, for each particular client, we're not printing as much, but the way that we look at it is we are, we are bringing other services in. Like we are bringing the ability to do half size sets. We're bringing the ability to do color printing as well. Um, and we don't see it going away um, totally for, for some time. I mean, guys still like to have a set of drawings that they can put in their truck and drive around with or, or put on their desk at home or put on a desk in, in their office and um, be able to refer to it, be able to mark it up on the fly, be able to flip through the pages really quickly and discuss it with their with their workers and their contractors, subcontractors. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it has changed, it has shifted. It's shifted many times in these past few years, but 
I think what we've done, Todd, is we figured out a way to not only be a part of the bidding process, now we're part of the construction process, and now we're part of the design process with our other integrations. So mm -hmm. I think from start to finish, the plans for less system might not be the same as it was five years ago, but we're still filling the need when the need is there. Yeah. Well, adaptability is, is huge. I mean, that's the, the name of the game to keep shifting how you're, you're going to market based on the conditions on the ground. So that's commendable. Yeah. Thank uh, you. So we talked about, uh, you know, combining the, the paper and digital workflows together. What do you see as kind of that sweet spot for combining those, those workflows? Yeah, again, going back on years ago where we used to print, you know, 10 full size sets of drawings for one general contractor, we'll see that we print three half size sets for that general contractor. Mm -hmm. So that's the balance, right? They have their computers, they have their iPads, they have their software on those iPads. They just want a few half size sets to have around for reference. Mm -hmm. So that's where it is shifted. And I think that's where the balance is for most companies that we're dealing with. Um, some of the subcontractors are still 100% doing their takeoffs on paper. Mm -hmm. We do see that changing as well. That has been changing over the last few years. But as you know, being in this business and, and talking to other construction people, technology is there, but it's been slow to adapt. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it. Like the, the transformation is not happening very fast in the construction world in terms of, it's the, I'm sorry, the technology is there and the transformation is, there to be had but who is adapting it is really right. the key and where are they adapting it so yeah the bridging the gap podcast is brought to you by evolve mep mep construction software for revit evolves mep software for revit makes project collaboration fast simple and more productive which in turn significantly reduces project risk and cost Born from the reality of a lack of available skilled labor in the industry, Evolve MEP has transformed the MEP detailer workflow. It's time for MEP to harness the Revit platform to offer seamless collaboration like no other software before it. Visit EvolveMEP.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, the adoption rate of the construction industry is with technology is is an interesting one to, to see those trend lines. I think it's, it's picked up as over this course of this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what it does as things start opening back up and going to whatever normal is, uh, you know, to, to see, do some people revert back? Do people push forward? What was it look like in 2021? Yeah, it's totally different, right? The last six or seven months, people working from home, setting up their home offices, having their kids homeschooled, We've been printing, shipping a lot of drawings to houses, you know, and, yeah. and, and people have had to set up their own offices in their house, which, you know, they've never had to do so before and have their kids home all day. So that's been the trend. I know, you know, we had talked about the trends and that's been our, our trend over the last six, seven months is we're not going to the home offices anymore. We're going to the, the homeowners houses to drop off plans or ship plans to. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so what's something that's, piquing your, your curiosity right now in the construction industry? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of things, right? I mean, there's, there's this, the idea that we are going to be completely hundred percent digital, I, I think is, is been piquing my interest for a long time. 
and I certainly think the the adoption of technology continues to pique my interest. I I I refer back to going to trade shows maybe four years ago, and how many companies um, were there, and how many companies now are not there have been acquired by other firms, and how fast this is all moving. I, I love the excitement of how fast these companies get started and they build up and they get acquired or, or the, you know, and they're just now part of our everyday life. I think that's really interesting about the construction industry. Cause I really feel like we're, even though we've been around for a long time, I feel like we're still on the ground floor mm -hmm. in terms of what, sure. what we can do, even as a service provider, we've been, we've had some conversations Todd over the last couple of months about what's plans for us going to look like in the future. Right. We, we've been talked about doing just scanning, right? Setting up all of our print partners to just do scanning. So we could, now we could certainly help with the digitizing of these plans that are being stored in these, you know, in these offices, just collecting, collecting dust and taking up space, right? Could we do scans for all of our customers? Uh, we've talked about a piece of software that we're working on right now that we're going to introduce to GCs and subcontractors that will help subcontractors know that they're working from the latest set of drawings, the hard copies that they have in the field is the latest and greatest set. So we're, mm -hmm. we're working, working right now on developing that software some more, um, you know, and, and we've talked about talking about going to a subscription based model a little bit. Um, one of the pain points for our subcontractors has been shipping and delivering fees. Mm -hmm. So we're about to talk about, launching our subscription-based service where you would pay a subscription to be part of plans for less and have free ground shipping on all of your, all of your orders. Yeah. If it made nice. sense for the subcontractors. Yeah. You know, so we're, we're, tr we are adapting to the needs of our, our subcontractors and GCs. And we, we just did a survey <clears throat> about six months ago, polling all of our clients and, and asking where their pain points are. Uh -huh. And we want to adapt to those pain points and address those pain points to, to keep us relevant in terms of being their service provider. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, as you were talking, I, I had the, the thought that I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion on, is there a difference between paperless and going digital? Uh, well, I think there is a difference. I, 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 think, I think when you're going 100% digital, they're talking about can you manage a project without without any printing anything else? But I don't think that's the world that we're in right now. Uh -huh. I think I think we can get to that point, but I, I still I still see this tremendous need for hard copies being printed no matter what it is, whether they're eight and a half by eleven copies or whether they're photos or whether they're you know little details that need to be uh, printed out and, and handed out to their to their vendors, but. Uh, you know, people keep talking about it being completely paperless and completely be digital. I just don't, I just know where the time frame is for that. Yeah. I, I think it would be hard to get rid of total, like every paper everywhere. <laughs> uh, you know, just anecdotally, this is not in the plans and stuff, but I'm such a note taker. I have my pen in my hand all the time and I'm, I'm writing it down. I'm, I'm not uh, typing my notes and I remember it and can process it so much better when I write it down with the pen in my hand. You know, I, I think it's going to come down to full adoption from all different levels. I mean, when we're printing as-built drawings, just so we could submit it to a municipality, 
or printing mylars to submit to uh, to a to like Amtrak or to uh, MTA because they want to have mylar copies stored in their file drawers forever mm -hmm. of what's been built on these railroad tracks. I I think the adaption has to come from all different levels. So sure, a general contractor can adapt and maybe be paperless, but it doesn't mean at the end of the project they end up to supply three sets of full-size drawings of as-builts, or we are still producing O&M manuals, right? When a, when a building is, has been built and mm -hmm. you know, the, the owner of the building wants to know about all of their mechanical controls and the alarms and everything that's been installed in that building, and they don't want it on CD or a USB drive or, or uploaded to the cloud. They want it in binders mm -hmm. so they can, you know, their facilities management team, if they have a problem with their, with a boiler or an AC unit, they can pull out that binder and flip to that section and see, you know, see what the maintenance and, and operating agreement is for that piece of equipment. Yep. So yep. it's really the owners need to adapt and the municipalities need to adapt as well. Mm -hmm. what, what do you see as some of the, the biggest challenges that are facing the industry right now? Well, I think being educated, being educated on what is available, you know, and I do see, I do see the next generation spending more time educating themselves and really finding out what's there. I mean, I see it myself with, uh, you know, the, some of the kids that work here in our office, they do things much, they think about things much differently than I think about them and how they, you know, what the solution is. They will certainly uh -huh. look something up and figure something out where I think some people of a different generation, this is the way we do it. This is the way we're always going to do it. We're not changing and <laughs> No. or anything right and, you know they don't spend the time to do the research and see what the cost is and what the return on that i've sat through so many conferences where people won't even spend the time or money to save one percent on a project yeah it's crazy that's, <laughs> it's crazy isn't it i mean you know you can install this app uh or have all of your employees on this project install this app on their phone and save one percent of the cost by doing this or that and for some reason, the adaption is just not there. Yeah. I mean, does it need to be more significant than 1%? I don't know. I don't, I think that's pretty significant. I think it's just a, a struggle to get people to change the way they've done things. Like get, getting over that hurdle of your habits is, that's a tough mountain to, to climb for a lot of people. Uh, well, how do people get a hold of you and, and find out more about Plans for Less? Yeah, well, you can certainly come to our website, uh, plansforless.com, and we are on social media, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, we have a 1-800 number you can call, and you can reach me at brian at plansforless.com via email. Awesome. Well, last question. It's my favorite that I ask all my guests. What does innovation mean to you? Innovation means to me that we are doing something to make a system better right? We're innovating every single day. And, and we have innovated the blueprinting world and the reprographic world. And to me, there's more innovation still to come for it. And I think it's exciting every day for us to, to listen and to learn and to continue to innovate, to make things better, faster, and cost efficient. Nice. Good answer. I, I like the listening and, and learning part of that and, and combining that with innovation. That's, that's great. You have to, you have to. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time and, and joining the show, Brian. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Todd. Appreciate it very much. 
Hey everyone, now it's time for my top three takeaways from this week's episode. First, I wanted to start with a note of gratitude this Thanksgiving week to all of our faithful listeners. Everyone that works on this podcast is truly humbled and grateful for you. It is amazing to see the growth in the year since we launched the podcast, and that is in very large measure to you, our listeners. One of my favorite things about the podcast is getting messages from you about the show or potential topics to dive into more. So keep them coming. Second, in the spirit of thankfulness, pay it forward with knowledge that you have. I love the story Brian shared about his boss that took a chance on him by giving him a business to run and coming alongside of him to teach him and equip him on how to be successful. We all need to seek to pass the knowledge we have on to others to keep the industry moving forward. I'm a firm believer that we should, and a mentee that we can pass along our experiences. And finally, don't be afraid to try new things and do something different. Look for creative and innovative ways to do things. And sometimes looking outside of your own industry can give you a great idea to implement. When innovating, you will almost certainly have to convince others and potentially gently pull others with you. That's okay. Be firm in your convictions and be patient. Change is usually slow and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor Applied Software at ASTI.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.